Welcome to the Emily Osmond Show, your place to learn how to market yourself online, find your tribe, and grow a business doing the work you love on your terms. As a blogger, presenter, and marketing mentor, I understand the ups and downs that come with putting ourselves out there and running our own show. This podcast is here to take you behind the scenes and share the strategies to help you succeed. So let's get into the show. Today, I'm introducing you to someone I have loved getting to know over the past couple of years and who has so much to share for others who are just starting out in business. She is Bridget Murphy. I met Bridget a couple of years ago now during a strategy session together that we did for her business. And since then, Bridget and I have been working together inside my online program, The Modern Marketing Collective. I've absolutely loved seeing her build her confidence and direction with her marketing and really play a bigger game with her business. Bridget Murphy is a certified holistic health coach and a meditation teacher. She grew up in country Victoria and is now based here in Melbourne. She specializes in helping women avoid and overcome burnout, pulling from her own experience, which you will hear a little bit about today. In this episode, we step through what the first 18 months or so in business have looked like for Bridget, what the lessons are that she has learnt, the momentum that she's built and how she's done this and how Bridget has got to her biggest months in business and beyond. So go to emilyosmond.com forward slash waitlist to be notified when we next open up enrollment to the Modern Marketing Collective. And without further ado, let's bring on Bridget Murphy. I'm so excited to sit down with you today, Bridget. We've worked together for, trying to remember, like probably almost a year now. I think so, definitely close to. Yeah, inside the Modern Marketing Collective. And I've loved working with you. And I've been, we've just kind of had a discussion around the last probably six months or so. We've both seen the momentum in your business, which is why I was like, I have to get you on the podcast and let's chat about it. But I also wanted to start off with a pretty serious question about your accent, because I know this. (laughs) (laughs) Just to break the ice. You have a thing about your accent. I think it's awesome. You previously were a classroom teacher. I was. And you got quite a few questions. So maybe let's just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and about your awesome accent. I am Bridget Murphy. I'm the owner of The Truest You and I am from Australia, born and bred. I think that's just some of the country in me coming out, but I do not have an accent. I don't think maybe I just don't pronounce my words properly. But yeah, I'm a holistic health coach and I really work with women to help them, I guess, avoid and recover from burnout, which I think Mm -hmm. is so prevalent. And a lot of us are really good at doing everything for everyone else, but not really prioritising ourselves. So Mm -hmm. it's a really big passion of mine and just to help people live more mindfully rather than on this constant hamster wheel of being on autopilot all the time. Mm. And where did Bridge that like interest come from in terms of what you're doing now? Because you, you didn't kind of leave school and then launch the business. I'd love for you to share like kind of what got you to where you are now and where it all started. Okay, so at school, it's funny, I loved business development, health and human <sighs> development and food tech. So that were my passions really early on. And then I took a gap year and I started my teaching degree and then went into primary school teaching for I think it was three or four years in total. Mm. I went straight into that. I was junior school leader. It all went off really quickly. 
And then I noticed myself start to fade. Things that I found really easy became really challenging. So reading, writing, things that are obviously critical mm. as a teacher. I couldn't concentrate. All these little things started happening until I got to work one day and couldn't remember how I got there. Oh my gosh, Bridge. And I'd driven myself there, so that was really confronting. But my ego told me, you know, people need me, I have to be here. And I kept going to the point that I was wiped out and essentially burnt out. And I was bedridden for a long time, not able to do anything for myself. So I was like a baby. Oh my God. It turned my life upside down and it was really hard. So I think that's where the passion came from, is that I didn't want people to get to that point before they started prioritising themselves. You know, I thrived on being that type A, busy, busy, you know, I linked how busy and productive I was to my success. Yeah. And I was just filling every minute of my day, thinking mm-hmm. that it was a good thing. So, and I see so much of that happening now. So as I started recovering, while I was sick, I was like, I want my old life back. Yeah. And then when I was recovering, I was like, no, actually, I don't want to step back into that because mm-hmm. I'd learned and unlearned so much in that time. And so then I started studying. Yeah. So you basically were like, right, I'm not going to go back to teaching. Is that right? Yeah. And not full time. Mm-hmm. I was just like, that's just not what I wanted to do. And you, so sorry, I interrupted you. No, and then you, you were like, right, let's study this. So I did that and I studied online. I still wasn't 100% well. So being yeah. able to study online worked really well for me. And I did it at home. And then, you know, I did all my extra research on the side. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, this is what I'm really passionate about. It was helping me. I knew I could help others. What were you studying? So it's called Integrative Nutrition Health Coaching. So a bit of a mouthful, but essentially, so health coaching or wellness coaching. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to life coaching, so really broad view of all areas of life. Mm-hmm. So did you finish the course and then you were like, right, let's turn this into a business? Or were you launching a business while you were studying? What did those early days look like? I think I'd always had the vision of what I wanted to do and what I'd like it to look like. But hi, everyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> those that are listening, um, Bridget very kindly let me record this live and we're just seeing like, all these different emojis and things coming up on the screen, which is really, really fun. Um, it's on our Facebook page if you guys would like to head back and watch us. Sorry for interrupting. That's okay. I think I fluffed for a lot of it. It's because I knew I wanted to, what I wanted to do, but there was a whole new world to me. You know, being, mm-hmm. I know I've said to you previously, the school world is very yeah. structured and things are all there for you to follow. Whereas business world, I'd grown up, my mum and dad owned their own business and my partner Glenn owns his own business. So it's something that I'd seen happening and I knew it wasn't easy. Mm -hmm. But I was like, who are you doing it? I was like, well, where do I begin? (laughs) I was like, should I start my Instagram? Should I start my website? Mm -hmm. And I was just, I guess a bit overwhelmed. Yeah. Very overwhelmed, I should say, as to a starting point. So it took me longer to get started, which in hindsight, I'm like, I would have liked to launch my social media earlier so then I had that presence and people got to know what I was doing but it took me a while and it wasn't until January last year so 2018 mm-hmm. that I actually started to really work hard to get it out there. So you you kind of like launched your business what did that look like? The launch to me was very I guess looking back it was like a soft launch yeah, yeah, yeah. so I did the Instagram to me was like oh my god yes. it's live it's out in the world and I still remember that day. Yeah. I think I'd proofread my first post about a thousand times. <laughs> and then I worked up the courage after meeting a friend to go home. And I was like, I'm doing it tonight. And I, rem- oh. I still remember reading it to Glenn for the last time. And I got a bit teary. Yeah. Because it was just such That's a amazing. huge thing. When I was unwell, I didn't think I'd be able to work mm-hmm. again. And then to be able to bring that vision to life was, 
I was really proud, I guess, of getting to that point. So you should be. And thank you. Yeah. And then Glenn put his arm around me and I was like, oh, this is like so exciting. And then I did it. And I guess for me, I linked that to the launch. But yeah. then came the website launch after mm-hmm. that and then the process of, you know, meeting mm-hmm. my first client and all those things along the way. Yeah. Okay. And so you said like Jan 2018 was when you really took it seriously and were like, right, let's ramp this up. It's time. Oh, right? I think I was just like, okay, it's time. Whether yeah. I'm fully ready or not, yeah. I guess, I think my, <laughs> as you know, my perfectionism got in the way. I was like, oh, but I haven't got, you know, my exact things for my Instagram yeah. or I haven't got all this set up for my website. And I held myself back in that way, which I think a lot of us do, is because everybody's telling you what you should and shouldn't be doing and then you know what you could be doing and it's just like paralyzing there almost. is so <laughs> much that you could do isn't there so much <laughs> and as an ideas person it's like people are like I wish I had so many ideas yeah. but I'm like I don't even know where to start <laughs> so Bridget and I had a little chat and I said to her Bridget because you almost were like you know I just got too many ideas it's not a good thing I'm like Bridget this is why you're in business because us as business owners and entrepreneurs, the best thing about what we do and why we're in business is because we have ideas. And when you're starting out, what I believe is that you kind of have to be the ideas person and also the implementer, mm-hmm. which is hard because it's like, you're like, oh, but now I've got this new idea that I want to do. And that's when we can find that we lose momentum and we don't find that much traction because mm-hmm. we're trying to do so many different things but we just got to I try and say like just focus on one thing get that like really cranking in your business but when you grow you can like as you start getting more revenue in your business then you can start like I was saying to you like you then get to focus on just being the ideas person mm-hmm. and you start filling your team like it might just be a virtual assistant for like yeah. an hour a month which is where I started with and then you just start giving them a little bit and a little bit more and they help you implement which mm. is really, really cool. And do the stuff that you're like, for me personally, that I'm like, don't have the patience to do or you just or waste just so the, much time. It takes the joy out of it too mm-hmm. sometimes for me because I'm like, I know what I want to do, but then the hell overwhelms me. Yeah. And so I'll sit there and try and do it. And when I could have been face-to-face with clients or out running a workshop or doing something that is more energising for me. Mm-hmm. So it's that fine line when you start out, like you said, you want to be doing things that shift the needle, yeah. but you're the implementer too and yeah. everything's... You feel like you're wearing every hat mm-hmm. while still learning. Yeah. So what, what did it look like? Let's say that first year and then we can move to this year. But let, let's talk about like that first year, 2018, when you really, I guess, the business was beginning. Mm-hmm. How did your first few clients find you? What were you offering versus maybe if you compare it to now? Because I know that you're still evolving as we all are and what we're offering. And yeah, well, can you tell us like a bit of an overview of that first year? So I guess it was slow to take off which I know would happen, mm-hmm. but then, you know, when you launch and you're so proud of it, you're like, hello, everybody. <laughs> yeah. I was like, does anybody know you what I'm doing? <laughs> does anybody understand? And I guess I lacked confidence in talking about what I was doing yeah. too. I think in my mind I'd sort of, I don't know how to say it, but made myself smaller. So I was like, people were asking what I was doing yeah, and I was having trouble explaining it. So then they sort of felt awkward and then it just get shut down. And so I guess that was a barrier in the first year. And it was just slow. Like I would sit there some days and be like, refresh my inbox, anybody. And I was like, still nobody. So you, can I say, like, it sounds like you were reactive rather than proactive. Would that be fair when it came to getting clients? I think I felt like I was being proactive, but not in a strategic way. Yeah. So I felt like I was doing lots, but I wasn't really doing things properly I guess you could say or I was dabbling in so many different things that I didn't know where to channel 
mm-hmm. my time and energy. So I was trying to do little bits of everything and just, you know, yeah. going wider, not deeper. Yeah. Mm. So it sounds like you've made a shift. I have since made a shift. Then. Yeah. Like, talk us through what that looked like and why you, like, I guess there was maybe a trigger that you felt like, okay, things need to change. What there, was I that? think there were lots. So, from what clients were saying or their apprehension in booking with yeah. me. So, I was taking that feedback on board and being really open with that, as yeah. hard as it is for your no, ego no. to hear sometimes. <laughs> if people were apprehensive to book or they only had one session when you thought it went really well, asking them if there's something yes. that could be different. Or and can I say, like, I found that so scary when mm-hmm. I used to do that because I'm like, I don't want to know, I don't want to hear any bad stuff. But it's very important, isn't it, to it's ask so for that important. feedback? And trying not to take that personally, yeah. which is really hard when you're the person, yes. you know, coaching them. Or and But yeah. I think you have to be open to that. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's like you're putting things out there that you think are what people yeah. want. But if you're not listening to their needs, then it might just be one small thing that you need to tweak. So yeah. I had my sessions packaged in the beginning and I just found that wasn't working when people were getting to know me for them to invest initially. Yeah. That just wasn't a smart move to start out with. Yeah. So that's when I separated my sessions into individual runs mm-hmm. and now that could potentially change. But early I on... it could. <laughs> early on, I was think I was asking so much from people that had never met me before, didn't really know what I was doing and didn't really know if they needed that level of support anyway. For those that are doing the same thing, maybe when you're just getting started or when people are quite new to finding you and working with you, maybe rethink if you are, and this was what you were doing, Bridget, like offering up front, like, hey, work with me for like four months or put down this investment and let's work together. But what is quite smart to do is give them a little taste, which is like a low investment for them. But it's like a chance for both of you to check if you're the right fit for each Mm. other. And um, it could just be that initial session together and you don't even have on your website like the other packages that you offer, which is kind of what I suggest. You don't want people to land in a website and then get overwhelmed with like, what package do I choose? Just make it super clear and obvious. This is the first step for them. And then it's almost like what we call like the back end offer or the upsell or the progression for your clients that when they work with you, it's then like, awesome. Well, the next step for you might be this great package that I've put together and could work really, really Mm -hmm. well which is then once they know you, they love you, they trust you, it's an easy and they kind of an easy yes. And yeah. that's where I found the 30-minute complimentary discovery yeah. chats have been really worthwhile in that sense that people can say, like, meet me if they haven't before, yeah. even though it's over the phone, just have a chat yeah. and be like, oh, that's what she yeah. would support me with or that's what it's like because people think, what will I talk about for mm-hmm. the initial session for 90 <laughs> minutes or for 60 minutes for a yeah. follow-up? Like, what will I talk about? Yes. It'll be awkward. And then everybody leaves and they're like, that went so fast. Yeah. So for them to have a taste of what it can feel like to be in that safe space, mm-hmm. where you can be vulnerable, not wear a facade like I did for a long time and be like, oh, I'm fine, yeah. everything's great. And just lay everything out on the table. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like they leave just feeling a bit lighter even after that. Yeah. So that's worked really well for me. Let's move into – we were – kind of looking at what the shifts were that you made mm-hmm. when it came to marketing. And we just like mentioned that this year has really been like a build and momentum for you. Could you give like those that are listening some insight into maybe some tweaks that you made in your business or your marketing and what you noticed made a good difference? So with your help, Emily. Oh, there we go. <laughs> in the Modern Marketing Collective, I think where you simplify what is so overwhelming and complicated when you're starting your own business or still building the foundations. I feel that I was able to 
see what I had missed or where there were gaps mm -hmm. and go back and do the work and be okay with that. Yeah. And then build my foundations even stronger. So then I had strategy behind what I was doing. Because I was sort of doing things like, oh, I'll do a social media yeah. post. I thought it was building that no like trust, but mm -hmm. it wasn't going as deep as it could. Yeah. So getting more quality from the content that I was producing, because you put so much time and effort into exactly. that. Often I would write a post and then just pop it up and then not do anything else with it or and then be writing a different blog and then be doing a different newsletter. And so I wasn't using my time efficiently and my brand, I guess, was getting watered down. Mm -hmm. People weren't quite sure what I could help them with. Yeah. So I think the best way I could explain it would be to bring everything together mm -hmm. and just work so much smarter. So what I am doing on Instagram. Yep. Could you share? Because I thought, like, you used to kind of put a post out there, and this is what I find with a lot of business owners. They almost, like, tick the box, and it's yep. like, oh, yeah, I do Instagram. But it's like, where's the strategy behind mm. it? So tell it, yeah, it would be great to hear what you do now on Instagram. Okay, so I think early on, my strategy was post, get seen. Yeah. You know, like, somebody see my brand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you, and you're sitting there in the early days, like, oh, I've got a follower. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think to that mindset of looking at how many people are following in the early days yeah. wasn't serving me. Yeah. Because I was like basing that on, oh, yes, I'm getting better, but really, and I know people say, and everybody's like, oh, mm. it's easy to say once you set up, but I would much mm. prefer, you know, 2,000 followers that really want to be there and yeah. getting value from what I'm adding rather than, you know, 50,000 yeah. that are just there but not seeing or totally. taking anything away. So I think I've thought, am I adding value for my audience yeah. and for my community and not just doing it for me yeah. to check That's that so box interesting. off? I didn't know that you yeah, used to do that as well. Yeah. So I think I was just doing it to be like, you know, yeah. some days I, you know, I still remember a post from really early <laughs> on where I was like, cosy Saturdays or something. I'm like, that has nothing to do with my business. Mm -hmm. So now I'm thinking of my potential clients' pain points and how I could support them and giving them tools that they can use mm -hmm. to start trying and noticing a shift. And often it's things people already know, but I find my audience really like tips, you yeah. know, things that they can take away that don't take up a lot of time, yeah. keeping in mind that they're burning out or have already burnt out. And I think also then, like I was saying, using that content to then be sent out in a you know newsletter or Good EDM work. and then yeah, thanks yeah. <laughs> um, and then on my Facebook and mm -hmm. using that same piece of content just yeah. maybe tweaked a little bit yeah. depending on the audience. So if somebody has seen it and then they see it again, they might read it the second time. Exactly. Or they can come back to it as a resource too. So I think smarter. I've got a lot more clarity, which then I think my audience and community can see too. I think that for you as well, Bridget, you were, which is like so many people, I think that you were also like a little bit unsure about how to open up in your social media. Like you had so much to share, but like we said, a lot of business owners kind of don't know where to go. And, and they also, I love what you said about you change your thinking to, okay, who am I posting this for? And the answer is it's for your audience. And what are they going to get out of this post? Please share what your Instagram is. It's at the truest you. Yeah, the truest you on Instagram and Bridget Murphy. So please go take a look because, oh my gosh, Bridget, it's so fantastic at the content you share now. It's so Thank much you. value. And um, the amount of engagement that Bridget gets is really, really awesome. So what I wanted to ask is how you evolved to sharing more of yourself through your content. I don't know. Was that like a thing for you? How did you... I 
work on it and yeah. I know that you've been showing up on Instagram <laughs> yeah, stories. <laughs> um, early on, before I launched my business, I was never really active on social media anyway. Okay. I guess you could say sort of more of a private person, more yeah. reserved. So the social media world to me was like, oh my God, you know, yeah. I've, I've got to actually put up that I'm doing things or yeah. be more present. So that was a barrier in the beginning. And then some other changes in showing up, I just thought if I'm asking clients mm. to be vulnerable with me and open up and speak their truth, then I have to do the same. Yeah, I pride myself on integrity. Mm. It's a huge value of mine. So I'm like, if I'm saying to them, you know, this is a safe space, open up to it and they come in, but I'm not doing it myself. Mm. It doesn't make sense. It yeah. doesn't align with my business values. So I was like, it's up to me then to say and to show them that I have lived through what they're struggling with, that sense of burnout and complete overwhelm and anxiety so it was confronting to do and I guess I did fear judgment so I had that feeling of like oh this is how clients probably feel before they had meet me and before Mm. they open up so I think being vulnerable was hard but then as soon as I started doing it people were like oh Mm. she gets me yeah or she actually understands because I know when I was unwell, mm. if I went to talk to somebody who hadn't really experienced what I had and then they're like, just do this. You're like, oh, you what really was it don't like? have just any rest. Idea. Just rest or sleep some more mm. or you should be running a marathon. Mm. Everything's <gasps> fine. Just all yeah. of these things where you just, I would leave appointments in tears because mm. I was like, nobody gets it. Mm. And so I think being able to, not position myself, but just be me. Totally. Where people can be like, oh, maybe she actually can help me and does get it, was really important to me. So I just had to drop my ego and drop that fear, which I'm still getting better at behind um, doing lives and things like that, and just be like, again, this isn't about me. It's about my audience and my community. No, it's so good, Bridget. And, like, I know when I go and share a kind of like a, I guess, a personal post, there's a couple of ways that I recommend doing it and the way that I do it myself. Because some people say, oh, when's a good time to share? Like, I know we've got some women in the Modern Marketing Collective who are going through, like, some pretty big, like, health challenges and that type of thing. And they've said, oh, Emily, like, I don't know, how do I go about sharing this or when do I share it? And so, first of all, I like the phrase that's, like, share the scar, not the scab. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and you don't have to, but it might be more helpful and you might be in a better place to share it once it's almost like you've come out the other side to a degree rather than sharing it when you're in it, mm-hmm. which I've done myself. Yeah, I could have shared stuff when I had really bad anxiety or that type of thing, but I wasn't really in a place to know how to share it. So now I I'm feel a bit more like in a position to actually share some helpful things around it. Mm. And then also, like I try and do a check myself when I go to share something from my personal life that I, I feel like might be helpful for other people. When I draft the post, I have to make sure that I'm not sharing it to try and get like sympathy, sympathy or yeah, exactly that type of thing. I have to be like, no, no, no. Am I possibly going to help someone with this post? And am I okay if it gets like no engagement or no comments? Mm. Like, is there a reason that I'm sharing that, that it's not just to try and get engagement? No. Because I think you can tell when those posts come up in the feed, it's like, oh, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. And so, yeah, so clear on your purpose. And like you said, being okay if it doesn't get a lot of interaction yeah. and not letting that minimize the pain that you've been through. Yeah. Either. So I think that's helped too, is that mm. I had healed a lot. Yeah. You know, there still are times where my anxiety creeps in, but not to that point where it's, I couldn't even articulate it earlier. Yeah, exactly. So to try and talk to somebody about it, I was like, 
I don't know. Yeah, I was the same. Yeah. yeah. So now that I can articulate it a little bit better and I do know what it feels like and I know my triggers and I know things that can support me. Are your triggers like when Emily's like, hey, let's turn this into a Facebook Live video? <laughs> yeah, show how far I've come. Hopefully this is, shows my recovery a lot. But I think, you know, there's so many triggers and things are different for everybody too. So being mindful of putting those vulnerable posts out yeah. Being, not saying this is the way it is totally. and this will help you either because I'm so mindful of there's not a one-size-fits-all approach yeah. and I'm like that in my coaching. Yeah. But just saying these things might help or I have felt this way and I know that it can feel like X, Y and Z. So yeah. then people are like, somebody gets it. Yeah. Because you know that when you're struggling with anxiety or you're really mm. unwell, but you can forget. It can yeah. feel really oh, lonely. Absolutely. Mm. Bridget, I've got a couple more questions. Let's start with talking about some of the wins that you've had and then I want to ask you like how they came about Mm -hmm. and what your marketing strategy looks like now okay so like please share some of the amazing things that you've helped bring into your business this year I think I'm really good at celebrating wins along the way sometimes I'm like is this too small to celebrate no I celebrate it anyway and actually (laughs) I might say in the modern marketing collective each month we do like a monthly you set your some of your priorities for the month and then at the end of the month or the start of the next month then I'm like right tell us your top three wins and pretty consistently Bridget shares hers and I'm like Bridget, this is awesome. So, which is how I get to know about them, and it really excites me. So, so I think it's nice to have that space to be able to celebrate because it's something that I'm passionate about in coaching too. Is that we have to celebrate what is working well. Otherwise, we get bogged down in what more we can be doing all the time. Yes. I almost need to start commenting on those posts myself. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm like, right, what's next? I'll hold you accountable. Or we work towards something and then we get there and we shift the goalposts. So I'm constantly chasing them. So anyway, I've gone on to it. Very guilty of that, actually, yeah. I think a lot of us are in business life in general. Yeah, like once I do this and then it's like, oh, now I've just set myself 10 steps ahead and I'm not ready to be there yet. So some of the wins, I think the firsts, every first of everything, yeah. your first, you know, Instagram post, first email, first client booking, first podcast. Yeah, is first, this your f- no. first podcast? Is it? Yeah, it's oh, my first one. Yes. First of everything is a win to me and yeah. I make sure that I celebrate it. And then there's been things, you know, like the win of people opening up to me mm. is a huge win to me and yeah. I never take it for granted. I leave and I'm like, I'm so lucky mm. that people are in a space where they feel like they can just be like, this is how it is yeah. and not sugarcoat things. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's a win. And to feel energised when I leave working with clients, I feel energised. So to me, that's like showing me that I'm doing the work that is fulfilling. Yeah. Other wins would be having meditations featured on the Bloom app. Uh, yes. Um, which was a big one, but that's where imposter syndrome creeped in and I nearly didn't do it, but I'm so glad I did. So having meditations on there, being invited to facilitate coaching sessions in the corporate space that was a huge win to me because I know you know I told myself the story Mm -hmm. that I guess is probably a good way to say it is that I wouldn't be able to get there on my own early Mm -hmm. on so to be able to do that has been amazing so some of those are with Well and You and Mallow Bar in the city in Melbourne so and I love them often they're 20 minute back-to-back sessions and so much can happen in that time. So they're big wins. Um, what and else? Another one was that you're invited and you couldn't make it because of dates, but you were invited to be like a featured speaker, weren't you, at this amazing event? To run the meditation for a Bloom talk. So there's more to come in the future. Yeah. They call Bloom talks and hopefully I'll be able to make it along to one of those mm-hmm. as well. 
I think running workshops and getting yeah. those to the point of filling up. Can you tell because, them? Oh. Can you tell the listeners what you told me about um, in your first workshop when you oh. when your lips stuck to your? Yeah, I can tell you that story. <laughs> Because I think it helps because I was saying to Bridget, don't worry, like the first workshop I run or even like when I do talks and now I'm a bit more comfortable, but like I literally, when I pick up a glass of water, like there's no way I'm getting that to my mouth. I'm shaking so much. It is really nerve wracking because you, I know I'm stepping into that space being like, how can I add value? And these people have paid to come Yeah. and they are valuing what I have to talk about. And then so you start, that self-doubt creeps in. Anyway, so we were sitting, it was in Ballarat, in, like close to my hometown. Which and is I'm, where Bridget and I are both yeah. from, but we didn't know each other in Ballarat. You so. did it? And it was a lot of my friends and my family were there. So really you'd think that you would be less nervous, but no, not in my case. Anyway, I started talking and my bottom lip got stuck. And I was like, I need a water. And I tried to keep talking. I laugh about it now, but at the time I think I was like sweating. I was, it was a big learning curve. And I think it's being okay with that and being like, okay, it's all right. Nobody's judging you. People didn't even notice. Yes. But starting there and being okay with doing it again, yeah, I think was a big challenge. Yeah. And then the whole idea I know we were talking about is selling tickets mm. to events. Like things like that can put you off. Yeah. Taking the next step in your business, yeah. I think, because it's like gets to the Thursday and your event's on the Saturday and you're like, I'm going to have to cancel it. I know I've said to Glenn, my partner, on several occasions, I'm cancelling it. I can't do it. Nobody's coming. But I guess, and it sounds really cliche, trusting in that process and backing yourself and being okay if, you know, only half the people did come. Yeah. But it always works out. Yeah. Like a couple of things around that with the events, like we spoke just before about, hey, let's get a plan around those and put them in the diary and start. Because Bridget has now people being like, hey, when's your next event? And so I suggested, why don't you put together like a wait list? Mm. Then it's like, oh, no worries. I haven't released dates, but hop on my wait list and you'll be the first to know because then you capture those people for interest. And then you can say to them, when you email, when you've got your next event, you can email them and say, hey, and you might have noticed this is what I do sometimes. It's like you've got two days or 24 hours to get your tickets before I release them to the general public. And then there's a bit of urgency there and it stops people like, which I always found too with workshops. It was like two days before, three days before. It's like, is anyone going to buy tickets? Mm. And you get the initial influx and then the last minute influx. But it's always nerve wracking. It is so nerve wracking. But I think it's just, you see that it does play yes. out, but there's, you still get to that Thursday yeah. or a few days before and you're like, whoa, it's like, like overthinking. No, and I speak to women that are big players in their industries and the same thing goes for them. Mm. They're like, yeah, two days before I was nervous, but it's just looking at strategies. And then the other thing I wanted to pick up on, Bridget, was that you said at the start when you were running your events, you, I guess, felt like you had to add value and you had to get other people involved mm. and now it sounds like you're more confident that like hey no I'm enough to put this event on can yep. you talk to us about that so I think early days and this was even for my blog for different mm. things like this part of it was That's to so collaborate yeah. and I was connecting with different people in the field and people that I really valued so I'm like these people I want my audience to know these mm. people but then when it came to workshops I guess I had an apprehension to run them on my own because I don't know if it was that I'm not good enough or yeah. if it was a confidence thing of like, what if I don't know what to stay, say or if somebody asks me a question and I can't answer yes. and all these, you know, irrational things, but they come to mind. So I would, you know, buddy up with people and most of those went really well. Some didn't. So I learned lessons along the way. Mm-hmm. And I think I eventually got to a point where I'm like, I'll just try it on my own. So I started my women's wellness circles and they went really well. 
And I realised that you don't have to overplan everything to the minute. Like I would have so much in there and then I'm like, it's not what people want. They're not coming to be overwhelmed. You know, it's all about, you know, simplifying and bringing a sense of calm. So I saw that I could do it and that's given me the confidence. It's just I need to get past that barrier of the stress in the lead up to them. Yeah. And you, and you will. And um, I totally agree with you, Bridget, like before events and workshops that I used to run, like you just, <laughs> I feel this is a lot of us. We just want to put like every single thing we know into the workshop. Like, that would be really good if they know that and that too. And it's just like this cycle. And it's too much. Yes. Yeah. Way you, too much. And you realise, okay, let's just like pull this back. Maybe just teach them like step one mm. is totally okay. and going to give them bits of value anyway. And that conversation, the opportunity just to have discussion. And connect with other people is huge. Yeah. So when it, I was over planning, I felt like I was skimming over those yes, really same. valuable discussions or I was in my mind then. Yeah. I was like, oh no, we've There's got like so half much an hour before we go. have to leave this space. And I feel like we've just got past a quarter. Yes. And being okay with just being like letting it flow and go to where it needs to go. And I think like that's like a great takeaway for those listening too and for myself and for Bridget, like that for events. And I think in-person events are so powerful aren't they and for those of us that run them in our business if that's something that we get energy from running and we love being there which I think we both do it's actually thinking okay well maybe I do need to factor in which we both realize factor in some time for conversation maybe some time to let people kind of like think and start implementing rather than thinking which I used to do it's like three hours of let me just talk to you and tell you as much as I possibly can so um, it's kind of good to notice that I think and what what people really want too Mm -hmm. So it's good. So I've got a couple of last questions for you, Bridget. So one of them is just what's ahead for you? What are you working on and whatever you'd like to share with us in terms of maybe like where the business is at now mm-hmm. and what your focus is and maybe some of the bigger picture things? Yeah. So I feel like at the moment a big focus of mine is on the one-on-ones. I find that I get a lot of energy from those and that I see oh, transformation isn't the right word, but you know, that people are making great progress Mm -hmm. and it's so good to be able to tailor it to their specific needs. So that's what I love about one-on-one. So I guess that's where I'm channeling a lot of my energy. But like I said before, lots of ideas and there's lots of possibilities. So I would like to keep doing work in workplace wellbeing, whether that's in the corporate sector or possibly in schools, because I'm so familiar with that space and teacher burnout is a thing, even though, you know, 12-week holidays that people rave about. And I would also, I'm thinking of doing possibly an online membership too. So being inspired by yours and seeing how that works and seeing how it could serve my audience too. So I know a lot of my community are time poor already and it can be a barrier for them to work one-on-one with me, to get to the office or to, you know, find time that they can carve out. So to be able to impact them and for them to feel like they're prioritising themselves Mm -hmm. and making some positive lifestyle changes I think would be really beneficial. So... I think that's in the works and sooner than what I thought. Yes. Yeah. I was like, all right, Bridget, maybe like early 2020, let's do this together. We'll get your membership going. So those that are interested actually in me teaching you how I've set up my membership, I don't have a landing page yet. So go to emilyosmond.com and you'll be able to find some links that I'll get up by the time this episode comes out. But Bridget, last question. I always like to kind of finish on what would you tell yourself? like early days Bridget in business is there something that you wish you knew lots of things I think be realistic with your expectations I think I and I'm still working on it but had such huge expectations of what I could do on my own 
So I was like, I'll set this up, I'll do this, I'll make this new, I'll do this weekly. And I was just like overwhelming myself with things that if I worked 24 hours a day, I could do them. <laughs> yes. But I wasn't willing to do that. And coming from where I've come from to being mindful that I want to still be able to prioritise myself and what's mm-hmm. important to me and think, have time outside of my business too. So I had to be mindful of, okay, what can I realistically do? Mm-hmm. Another one has been, I guess, a lesson is to set boundaries because with flexibility in your own business coming from a very structured profession of teaching I was like I could just do this then or I'll do a little bit of this today and a little bit of that today and I was fiddling and then procrastinating putting off the bigger things oh don't worry we all do that (laughs) I was like I know I need to do that but I know I don't really know or I was taking forever learning how to use new programs so I guess be realistic have boundaries I'm okay with seeking support and asking for help, even if it mm. does, and that's what you've created too, asking when you're like, I really should know this, but I don't, and asking for that help and being okay. Lots of lessons, I think. But the last one I would say is to just, and I know people say, just don't compare. Like there's oh so many people doing, you know, health coaches and life coaches, and you're like, oh, they're offering this package or they're doing this or yeah. they're only charging this much or they're charging, you know, four times what I am, and you get so lost and lose perspective. So being really clear with your long-term vision and just breaking it down into little chunks. You're awesome, Bridget. I've loved loved chatting with you. Thank you for being on the podcast and agreeing when like, just before we started recording, I'm like, hey, you want to do like a Facebook Live with this? So the Facebook Live video is at my Facebook page, Emily Osman, if you want to check us out. And Bridget, where can everyone find you? So on Instagram at The Truest You, on Facebook at The Truest You Health Coaching, and then on my website, thetruestyou.com.au. And there is a little freebie on there too. So thetruestyou.com.au forward slash free. And there's a list of questions and a little guide so you can see if you're thriving, burning or burnt out. Bridget's freebies are awesome. I did one um, a while ago. I don't know if it was the same one, but I was like, this is so good, Bridget. Yeah, no, it's awesome. So everyone get on board that one. And I'll leave the links with this um, video as well. Thank you, Emily. Pleasure. Thanks for being on the podcast, Bridget. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Emily Osmond Show, brought to you by my Instagram freebies, which you'll find at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave me a review, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media, and tag me at Emily Osmond so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.